Okay, good morning, good afternoon, good evening to the light listeners, whatever time you maybe happen to listen to it, and uh, welcome to the show with your host, myself, Ben. And me, Josh. Where we will aim to shine a light on the news from the last week, or at least what we find to be relevant uh, for discussion, analysis, and uh, review. So, yeah, let's get down to it. It's been a bit of a bit of an interesting week in different parts. In fact, actually, all over the world has had different things going on this week. So, where do we want to start? Start with Trump in North Korea. So, this week, um, the three uh, US detainees were released. Uh, Ahead of the summit with Kim Jong Un, it was like it, it looked like a positive outcome for Donald Trump. And all he's been two years, he, he's done quite a lot. So, so it's funny, right? I mean, it's, it, I mean, it's not the first time that that people have been um, released. It's happened under other presidents. I think one of the things that people had a dig at him about this was is like he made a big show out of it because he did it at like six o'clock in the morning, and they could have done it another time, but. I mean, it is what it is. It's Donald Trump. He will make a show out of it. Um, but there is also the point. You do have to get to a point where you're like, okay, so whether you like it or not, he is getting results of forms. And and I was trying to think about this earlier. And I was listening to a different podcast. And I think in part it's because he doesn't necessarily have the same globalist view that Obama had. So he's not trying to be a globalist. He's trying to be an America first, as he puts it. But because he's doing that, he's got a rather strong rhetoric as if to say, you can agree with me or we'll just depart and break the relationship. Whereas Obama was very much focused on let's maintain the relationship and and meet at the negotiation table. Now you could say it's a bit of a risky gambit, but at this moment in time, it, it seems to be paying off. I mean, we'll probably touch on it later on about the him pulling out of the Iran deal and that then prompting further discussions around what is fundamentally a pretty crappy deal anyway. Yeah. Um, but it, it, it's funny because, again, you still can't listen, especially, and it's difficult for me to comment here because I'm not based in the US. But um, if you consider any of the podcasts or analysts that you hear over the US side, it, it's still always forever bashing Donald Trump. And at some point in time, you probably need to make a distinction between the policies that work. For instance, his foreign policy, whether you like it or not, is working. It's working. So you probably need to make a distinction between what it is that you find morally or ethically objectionable about him and the actual policies that he's got, which whether you like him or not, you need to kind of give him a bit of a pat on the back for doing a good job. And, And anybody who's listened to this from when we start off will know that we were pretty much taking the mick out of Donald Trump every week. But there gets a point where I'm, I'm not going to be hypocritical and, and sit on that side of just say Donald Trump's the worst thing in the world. I still, I'm still i still amazed that he yeah. is the president and there's, he's made it. But nonetheless, he's getting results places, right? There is this point that um, they're saying because of the White House, because of his administration so disorganised and the key figures don't know, don't know what they're doing and they're very hands-off and they let, let the civil servants and the army get on with it. Those people that know what they're doing, the people that are career, career um, legislators, are just getting on doing their jobs. And because they're getting on doing their jobs, they're getting results. That other presidents, because they meddled in and got involved in and very hands-on, they prevented the people that knew what they were doing from going on and getting their jobs. So he's doing what's classically... Well, it's almost, it's almost like his second cast is yeah. now starting to perform. Yeah. Like his first cast were just like... The auditions, which weren't working, and now the second cast of people that he's brought into the administration, 
again, most of them are, t- to be honest, whoever he, gonna, he brings in is going to get chastised because he's bringing them into his administration. But they seem to be getting the job done. Pompeo seems to be have hit the ground running. Bolton was supposed to be the end of the world, but he seems to just be quietly doing his job behind the scenes. Um, so, I mean, yeah, it, it, it is what it is. I mean, this was it. This was another positive step in the whole North Korea US relations, but also uh, part was, of more positive turns for Korea this week, anyway. Yeah, they've also agreed a, a date for um, a meeting with um, Kim Jong un in June. In is it Sing- June the 12th or June, June the 13th? June 12th or the 13th, I think, one of those days. And it's in Singapore. And it'll, be, it'll be the first time a US president has met the leader of North Korea. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how he gets along. It'll be interesting to see them side by side because Kim Jong un's not very tall, is he? And, no. and, and Trump's six foot three, six, six three, six two. So he's a big. It's Trump's a, a big guy. Trump so, will probably want pictures of him stood up, and he'll probably want pictures of him sit down. down. <laughs> <laughs> so it'll be interesting to see how how they get on. Uh, it is it is um, positive news because as as you were alluding to, there was another um, news that came out that North Korea has started dismantling their their nuclear weapons. Well, they've, they've said that they're going to break up their nuclear test site. I can't remember the location of it um, in... Sorry, let me look at our green. But why say that? So they're going to dismantle it within two weeks. This is the same test site um, that, to be fair, most people have said was crushed in, in a bit of a landslide mm-hmm. <laughs> recently. So whether it's still functional or not, who knows? But yeah, they're going to do it, what, the 23rd to the 25th of May is what they're... They're aiming for, and basically to dismantle it, we'll we'll basically take the whole thing down, all the tunnels, the connector, go into and out of it. So, again, whether this is a position of they're comfortable in the level of um, testing that they've done and their nuclear capabilities, I, I don't know. Um, but nonetheless, it is it it's reaching a positive outcome, right? I mean, there was talk of Trump and getting the Nobel Peace Prize and him talking up all the work that he's done <laughs> to make this happen in Korea and there was a bit of a rebuke from Kim Jong-un to say this isn't Trump's doing, this is this is our doing, mm-hmm. which does still make me think that he's not necessarily directly responding to the fire and fury from Trump. I think it's helped push the matter forwards um, and nonetheless must have contributed to this but I do think there is part of this where he's playing his cards close to his chest but nonetheless, he is playing them in a calculated way rather than I feel backed into a corner, therefore I'm going to disarm everything. Mm-hmm. All right, staying with Trump, uh, President Trump has lied more than 3,000 times in 466 days. So do you know why I put this in there, right? Because, and this almost it falls on nicely to the whole um, discussion around people wanting to bash Trump. So when you go through this, now, what's interesting is the Washington Post have a fact checker blog, right? So they have a fact checker where basically they go through his lies, his mistruths, and um, there's something else that they reference to it. But basically, any misleading statements. Are, so, yeah, misleading statements, lies, and mistruths, right? And mm-hmm. they've now clocked up that he's got uh, up to 3,000 in his time in office, so 466 days which says what Trump says, 6.5 things that aren't true every single day. Now, when you go further down the article, what you find is we have no count of how many lies Barack Obama or George W. Bush told per day because, well, they weren't as committed to saying and then repeating the falsehoods as Trump quite clearly is. Mm -hmm. So then all you're saying is here is an abstract number. You're not even comparing it to anything. And, and, And again, 
at what point in time does the Washington Post start focusing on maybe the news items rather than trying to bring down Trump? Because at, at one at one point, you just need to deal with the fact of it is what it is, right? He is the president. Uh, and Maxine Waters, I haven't heard anything from her in weeks going on a couple of months now. She almost seems to have seemingly given up on the whole impeachment approach, right? So a part of me is like, just get over and deal with it. I'm not sure that clocking this stuff up is really doing any benefit to anybody I think you'll get two terms well there's I, nothing there's nothing there's nothing suggesting against that because of the thing that people bash him about like okay so you get the uh, you get the LGBT you get the black community you get the ethnic Mexican community, community saying um, this and that but he hadn't apart from when he first came to office and he tried to get banned transgender people from the army he hasn't enacted any policies as of yet that is targeted at um, ethnic minorities or LBGT. Well, it's not really that, is it? It's like, who are the Democrats going to put forwards? Bernie Sanders, who's going to be 80. I'm not, I'm not, I'm, I'm, I'm not, sorry, that was an open question to say, who are they going to legitimately put? Because if they come with Hillary again, then they're, they're going to no, be like, Bernie Sanders has been tried before, so there's nothing to say that he will get in. Um, so it comes down to the power of what they want to put forward with their party, right? Yeah. And it, and arguably, if he keeps in, implementing policies that work, I mean, you can argue what you want about the tax policy not working for um, the lower society. Big businesses love it. A yeah. lot of them have banked considerable profits in their first quarter in their annual statements because of the tax changes there, right? So whether you agree with it or not, stuff is working. Mm-hmm. Now he's poll rating is still not great um, but nonetheless if his poll rating is not great versus a poor democratic candidate then but the thing when it comes to policy and it comes to results when it comes to in, in two years time when he looks back and says well I've done this I've done that I've done this and then the other person goes well <coughs> okay it's like how do you beat someone that's well, successful well it's, it's not that because he is going to have to start delivering on some of the stuff that he did promise to his supporters, right? Because if he if he delivers on a lot of stuff but doesn't deliver on that, then there's nothing to say that they will support him again. But so then, it then, is a, he'll just blame, he'll a just fine do, line. He'll, he'll just do what he's always been done. He's always blamed the other. So he'll blame the, the left for the reason why, he blame the Republican Democrats for the reason why he can't build a wall. Yeah, well, it will come down to the marketing campaign. Always, the US election always comes down to the PR campaign. But it, 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 him getting voted in again is the same thing that it's balanced on now as it was before. Who are the Democrats going to put forward? That's what it's going to come down to and what is their campaign going to look like. All right, sticking with Trump, this week his lawyer, um, it came to light that um, Michael Cohen had been been receiving payments from big um, American companies such as AT&C. They were paying him, um, he had a a consultancy service and they were paying him to get an inside um, understanding of how the administration worked in in January last year when Donald Trump was, uh, was not last year, but... Yeah, January 2017, when Donald Trump was inaugurated into as president, they paid him. It brings to light um, the shadow, the, the argument about shadow lobbyists, shadow lobbyism, and um, shadow lobbyists. Because if the law says that the law, the law in America, American law in, in regards to um, lobbying is quite open-ended. It's quite open to interpretation, and. It's not even open to interpretation. It's just loose. Yeah, it's, it's really loose. It's, it's really right. loose. Yeah. <laughs> So companies such as AT&T and, and, Novartis, and Novartis, a major pharmaceutical firm, paid Cohen $200,000 to, to, uh, to, um, to get some understanding of 
um, the new administration. And he said he's done nothing wrong. I, I, based on the law, he hasn't done anything wrong. Look, to be honest, Donald Trump associating himself with Michael Cohen was probably one of his biggest mistakes, right? Mm-hmm. And Michael Cohen's downfall is that he's a bit dodgy, which mm-hmm. he is. Like, there's no, there's no getting around that. Whether, look, he can pretty up however he wants. Um, it, when it comes down to a lawyer and where you're, whether you're breaking the law or whether you're being kind of morally upstanding or not, that does factor into the equation. He's associated to Trump now, so everything that he has done that could be called into disrepute, disrepute, sorry, mm-hmm. will be aggressively. And so, look, he is falling faster than the boulder of a cliff mm-hmm. at this moment in time. I, I have little hope for him um, going forwards. All right, all right, cool. So, do I want to talk about this this, this story quickly? <laughs> Which uh, one? Not the shocking one that you put about the Airbnb guests. Yeah, yeah, that is shocking. Yeah, you can. All right, open so up. it's quite funny because it's, it's 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 a it's come from a long a long line of stories that have happened in America over the last couple of weeks. So this week, uh, uh, this early this week, uh, three black Airbnb guests that were checking out of their rental were. Um, not arrested, but met by seven police office police cars. Um, the police came down, and the reason why um, the the person that was uh, who owned the Airbnb um, waved at them, and they didn't wave back or smile back, so she called the police. And the police came. So this is in line. So um, we've all, we heard a story. We talked about the story about Starbucks before, when um, the black guys were in Starbucks and they were um, they were asked to leave and. Everyone loiters in Starbucks. They use the toilet. They use they use the toilet to wait around for people. And they they were accosted by the police and arrested and spent a couple hours in jail and then they were released and they had a, a, a one dollar settlement. And then this week, three black <laughs> guests were uh, were arrested because they didn't they didn't smile at the white. Well, uh, well, the, yeah, they weren't they weren't arrested, were they? Uh, no, they weren't. They arrested. were approached. They, but yeah. what what what? Because I I don't know if there's any um, playing of the actual. Oh, telephone call? Is there a call? No, a call no, call? no, no. Well, because I don't... <clears throat> if the contents of... If the description in the call was... Because it does quite differ. So, I mean, either way, they handled it poorly. They can defend the police as much as they want. It's ridiculous. Um, but if the context of the call was, I think they're suspicious because they didn't wave at me, the police shouldn't have even turned up. No. They shouldn't have even turned up. What she said um, was that they were... Um, so they had a chance of the call. He said that they were taking luggage out and in and out of the property, and they looked like they were stealing the luggage from the. Um, nobody, nobody steals in suitcases <laughs> in broad daylight, yeah. and obviously she would have seen them be there yeah. the days before as well. Yeah. Um, so really, the argument is okay. If the police have an obligation to turn up to any of these reports, I mean, to be honest, if they were going out. If they were bringing their luggage out and they caught them before they left, then the police responded pretty quickly to this. Which yeah, it is. You would argue if this was free, and also it, you have to take into consideration that were four guests, weren't there? And yeah. one of them was white, right, yeah. and wasn't. But it was only reported that three people were yeah, were there and looked suspicious. So I don't know what 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 was her thought that she was just being kidnapped and <laughs> led along by these three black criminals. Yeah. Um, but then when they turned up, it should have been. I mean, apparently it seems like it started off all nice and, and calm but then got a bit tense when they continued to investigate and I'm like it, it's an Airbnb what, what do you want it should have been as simple as I open the app and I'll show and it's literally if you're not going to believe me on first face of it fine I'll open the app I'll show you my book and that should be the end of this discussion um, so what yeah it does I mean it, it tells you a bit about the kind of social dynamic uh, in we, the last States week, anyway last but. week 
a student was on campus in uh, I can't remember what university it was. It was quite a high-ranked university, but she was uh, she was she she the one which to told to get dressed, was it? No, she fell asleep outside oh. her dorm, and one of the other students called the police because they said that you shouldn't be sleeping there. But then she had full right to be she had full right to fall asleep outside her dormitory because if she had full access to the, to the university grounds. It was just funny that they said that you, you should. Um, the university come out and chastise the person that made a call saying that everyone has the right, to, we, we need to be more forward thinking. It's just, um, it's just really interesting how we're seeing these things happen, play and play out more in America. <coughs> these stories are coming up more and more. All right, moving on. Um, this week in, in the UK, are we going to the UK? Um, yeah, this week in the UK. Uh, well, there's, there's also, there, so, so Malaysia also had a, and the reason I put, I'll tell you why I put this in there. So, so Malaysia had an election this week. <clears throat> He's 92 years old. Well, actually he used to, he used to rule over the party that is in power now because mm-hmm. that party has been in power for like eight years or something like that. Um, and so he, he left those and now what, then he's come back to them at 92 um, but it's funny because some of my team working well a lot of my wider team work in Malaysia in KL um, and a couple of the guys that report into me work in there as well so they've got their elections on Wednesday and one of the and so they get a day off for that anyway I mean, we don't get a day off for yeah. elections come on it's not fair like I did say I, I feel like I should support cultural diversity and, and take the day off <laughs> to support my team but I didn't get away with that um, <clears throat> but then depending on who won so if the current incumbents won then it would have been a bank holiday on monday and tuesday okay and if the new party got in it would have been a bank holiday on thursday and friday so i had this strange scenario when people were talking to me on tuesday and said yeah i'll try to come back to you but it might be next week i don't know if my team are going to be in the office for the rest of the week um but yeah 92 i, I think it's gone I, I mean i think it's largely the result that most of malaysia want wanted yeah. um if i'm listening to you the the noise I'm hearing on the ground and that's directly from people who are are based there this is is very much um to them it's quite interesting I don't know if this was a ploy by the um incoming party sorry the previous party to try and control it so I don't know if this is general forum or not but they all have to go back so everyone has to go back and vote in their own constituency so there's a lot of people that had to travel a lot of distances um, to be able to to log their votes in this, um, at ninety two years old. One of the reasons they said that, um, bear in mind, he was a fourth. Malaysia had seven presidents, and he was a fourth president at the, when he was first when he f- was first in office. And one of the things, one of the reasons that I'm given for voting for him is that he has a lot of experience. And I'm thinking at ninety two years old, he would have a lot of experience. Well, I think he has a an ongoing bond with Malaysia the population people. as well. Um, I mean, he doesn't, in fairness to him, he's holding up pretty well for 92. Yeah. Um, and I know that, so the outgoing um, president was trying, so outgoing prime minister, should I say, he, I mean, he took a, I think he took a flight to go to Indonesia, supposed mm. to be for a holiday, but there were a lot of um, protests at the airport because they thought he was trying to escape. <laughs> but yes, uh, so it seems like, I mean, it's, it's, it's going to be interesting because this, this is a massive thing mm-hmm. over in Malaysia. This is, a, this is a big change for them. They're very happy about it, but it's all going to be what happens next mm-hmm. now. So it'll be an interesting one to watch. All right, let's go into the UK. Um, where do we start? There hasn't been much, there hasn't been much with Brexit. There hasn't been much with... Um, well, the only thing that, he, that relates to Brexit this week is... is food. Um, well there's two things um, so Theresa May split her well she's created two groups basically to discuss the customs agreement um, because they still can't get their heads around it 
they haven't made any particular position on it. She's just split them to look at two. One would be uh, like a full leaving of the customs agreement and one would be like a, a meet in the middle. They don't know exactly what that would look like. Um, and then consequently coming out of that, people have said that food prices could go up if we are out of the customs union. Uh, this stands to reason anything that's imported is likely to go up because the company is going to have to pay higher tax. Well, they're going to have to pay tariffs, which they didn't have to previously. Um, now that's not all going to be translated to the end consumer, but nonetheless, something's going to have to hit the pocket. So it's not only going to be food that affects this, but so what they're saying that they could do, the government could do, they could remove the um, import tariffs so it makes the food cheaper. Although that there'll be there'll be um, tariffs to, to to receive it, but they'll be they'll remove their their their, their tariffs that they place on the food that coming anyway. But the problem with that that will hit UK farmers hard because they they won't be as competitive as the Europeans. Yeah, but they can't remove the tariffs because you won't allow them to just flat out remove the tariffs. They're not going to say yeah, you can leave the EU, but you can keep the existing agreement where you didn't have to pay in inter EU import tariffs. They're not going to do that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but that, that was obvious. I think a lot of stuff was a lot of the negative stuff with um, Brexit. A lot of the negative stuff with Brexit. It's pretty obvious. It's not. It wasn't. Like, it's you, not rocket science. It's not rocket science. Yeah. 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 Rocket science. We all knew. This. You, you, the people that voted, they knew this was going to happen. They must have known this was going to happen. So this, none of this thing is rocket science. Um, all right, moving on. So okay, so we don't want to go in the UK. So um, I think it was the last month. The um, deadline came in for companies to report um, the gender pay gap between men and women. Um, a lot of companies still haven't reported the numbers. Uh, it's, it's, the rules are companies <coughs> that have more than 250 employees have to report the numbers to the um, Equality and Human Rights Commissions, and many firms haven't done that. Uh, I think you want to do a bit of a deep dive into this. Well, it wasn't that. I didn't. There was a particular thing that I didn't like about this because they said so. So, what is the EHRC statement? Um, came as the think tank, uh, the Institute for Public Policy Research, published a report on UK's pay gender. Sorry, UK's gender pay gap, and suggested employees should urge men to work fewer hours or work flexibly. I, I disagree with this in its full entirety, yeah. in in every way, yeah. and and it doesn't, and it's also contradictory of what they're trying to do here, because there are women who work as many hours as men, right? But probably, but probably don't get paid as much, and that's what they should be focusing on. If I work sixty hours a week, and a female in the same grade as me works sixty hours a week, and she's getting paid ten k less, and we've both been in the job for in the grade for a relatively same amount of time she should be getting paid the same right and so the question is why is she not getting paid the same now the rebuke to that should not be well ben you should work 40 hours while she works 60 hours so she can compensate because then what you're saying is then you're still saying a woman needs to work harder than a man to get there therefore you're not addressing the whole equality so this line in and of itself is completely irresponsible to say or the other the other interpretation of it is Men should work less hours so that, so that men get the same, so men get paid lower. It's, it's, it's more like saying. Well, then it takes away um, the whole idea of capitalism and game theory exactly, that, you're allowed, that you get what you work, work for. Exactly. So it's more like saying um, we have a fair society, but we have a poor society. Yeah, but this is the point. In, in, in saying that, you're not. You're not tackling, accept, issue, you're not tackling the whole equality issue. What no. you're, you're basically saying that. What, what, what I could say you are saying between that is men are more capable than women if they work the same hours. And I'm not saying that. I'm, yeah. That's not what I'm saying. That's what this line is saying there. You're saying there needs to be something else outside of general, you pay as much to a man as he's 
worth is for the business as you do to a woman. You're saying that there is other contributing factors. And at the moment, and, and don't get me wrong, over the course of a career, you can take that in, that there will be times where women have time off if they're, they're pregnant or have children, etc. But if you take like for like, and a person who, a single woman and a single man who work the same amount of time, this is what you need to be addressing. I, I, I do not like the line that they put there at all. It should not be something that they ask companies to do either. It's completely irritating. Do they actually look on they, they look no, not this. We're doing a pay gap. They look <coughs> on an industry by industry level, or they just look at it on an average of the company in a sense. So, in I, I bet in a company that does engineering or a company that does um, uh, we have pilots, and you'll have a massive like EasyJet. You had a massive discrepancy between men and women. I'm pretty sure in engineering jobs, you're having a bigger discrepancies between men and women. We well, probably yeah, but well, I think the way that they do it is they get the stats so they can measure it by industry, and okay. then. You can also measure it within company, but then you would need to go deeper and actually measure it by specific role and level of management or position, because obviously not everything is management. Um, management or position within the company. Now, it would be it, it wouldn't be correct to say we're going to measure it for an engineering industry. I mean, you can do it if you want, but the numbers are are going to be skewed because they're likely going to have more men in that industry. Yeah. Um, likewise, I think when they looked at these numbers before and they looked into childcare, women got paid more, but there were more <laughs> women in there than there were men. Yeah. And that's, again, that's not me saying that. That's what the numbers yeah. say. Um, so, and this is part of my annoyance with the stats that they put out before, is that they don't go down to a granular level to get to the core fundamental issue here. Um, and again, that, that whole saying, well, actually, it's just down to men should work less. This is a flippant comment that didn't need to be made. Yeah. Um, the government made a U-turn in, in regards to the Grenfell panel. So this week, Theresa, May's come, um, Theresa May initially said that um, that the panel, that you wouldn't need a, a broad panel because of the people that were going to do the inquiry were experts and they know, they know better. But now, it seems that the government done a, a, a U-turn in regards to um, who would be on the panel to make it more diverse. And make it seem, I mean, make it seem like it's more transparent. Because it was still the fear that um, the inquiry risks being whitewashed. Um, if, do you think this is? In, do you think this is all in line with what's happened with um, the Windrush? Um, or is all in line that the government's trying to do a U-turn on their on their? Well, to be honest, this is this is rather straightforward logic to me. Mm-hmm. And an inquiry should be treated to a degree, especially in in this case, should be treated to a degree. I don't want to say like a jury because it shouldn't just be you go out and get people. But in a jury, the intention of you going out. Let's forget in the in the states where they will find a predominantly white area or something. Mm-hmm. But the intention is that you should have a broad spectrum in there, right? When you have an inquiry, especially into something like this, then it stands to reason that you would expect to have experts at the table with the experience and the knowledge that is balanced across the spectrum yeah. to get to what you want to get to on this. There's no point in just having, I don't know, building architects in there because they're going to defend just the quality of the building and architecture, right? So what she said here, it just, it it seemed like a an unnecessarily own, unnecessary own goal for the government and it shouldn't really have taken this long for the party, um, I can't remember, is it Grenfell United or whatever that that sounds like a football club i didn't mean it to come across like that but the, the 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 group of people that are pushing this for justice for grenfell yeah. shouldn't have had to try this hard to get to 
what basically should have been part of the mandate for the inquiry in the first place. Um, now, it may be part of, it may be that Theresa May is now responding to this because of the stuff around Windrush. <clears throat> if that's the case, then you would argue, why, why did it take anything as an external influence for you to do this? This, this seems an outcome that is straightforward and should have been implemented from the beginning, but it, it fundamentally, let's be honest, the, the fundamentally the handling of the Grenfell incident has not been the best. ideal. Yeah. Likewise with anything that affects race and different, and if we look at anything, any problem that the government has at the moment that has to deal with any kind of racial issue, any kind of socio-economic issue, if we look at the knife crime rises that we've got, they fail to deal with in any real conclusive manner. They put, they just stick a lot of plasters on the cut. They don't stitch it up and help it to heal. Um, so that seems to be just a, a trend for them. Um, but nonetheless, this is at least a positive outcome after uh, several months of pushing for it. <clears throat> Same with the Tories. Um, Tories this week have had a, have been advised. Um, Tory MPs have been advised that. When they take pictures on, on Instagram, they should be playful and have a human aspect to the, to the pictures they share on Instagram. I found this story, this story quite, quite amusing. Likewise. Uh, it's the only reason I put it on it. <laughs> I found it amusing. So, uh, when I think of MPs, especially Tory MPs, I don't think of them as being fun or playful. Well, it's not, so it's not necessarily about being fun, is it? It's about being, being real. It's the same. It's the same with any... If you're going to use any social media platform and you're in a profession and you want to give some of yourself out as well as whatever your message is. What I, what I found amusing about this, one, a couple of the attempts. I mean, they had Amber Rudd on here trying to look natural and I've never seen anybody look more stone-like in my life. Yeah. Um, what I liked more was some of the slides that they put up. So how can MPs benefit from using Instagram? Speak directly to your younger audience, majority of 18 to 24 range. 17.2 Instagram users of which 15% are over 45, blah, 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 standard stats. Getting started, downloading the Instagram app, choosing your profile photo, smile. writing a bio. <laughs> don't don't to smile. Smile. What does it go down? Be playful. playful. Um, they given they give a lot of ones which give good examples of current MPs, which are kind of good examples for them to use going forward. Tell stories. Don't just focus on it. This is. I mean, to be honest, their slides are crap. <laughs> and they could have just gone on any of the free ebooks you can get on how to use Instagram and distribute it around um, their teams. But what is this? Avoid this. Not one picture of you. Not not one picture of you or a person needs to feel real. Not a list of press releases. Instead, to show issues you care about, use your own images. Like it's just they're not very good at it. Let's be honest. They're not. They're not learning much. Um, some people seem to be a bit better at it, but the fact that they've got to. I don't know. Where, where, is this where some of the money in funded this guy? <laughs> the Tory government? Because you could get somebody to do that for you for free. Just spend a bit of time on Google, people. Come on. But I did find this one a bit amusing. All right. Um, TUC's come out this week and said that um, the way squeeze in the UK is the worst in modern history. Um, and what, I'm afraid I've read this wrong. The way squeeze is the worst in modern history. Um, TUC's come out and said that wages won't return to pre cash, pre the uh, 2008 crash levels. Until 2025. So I'm not, and, and I'm not larger. I think the, so. The reason I put this in here is I'm not, I'm not overly against this. I I think that they're correct in that when you look at. So I think this year is supposed to have like a the, well, the the next quarter is supposed to have like the first wage rise in a year. But I do agree with them that because of the rate of inflation, actual increase of wage 
has not been reflected has not been going up for several years now mm-hmm. um mainly because you give that cheap pittance out of yeah well wages have gone up well, yeah but okay put them to inflation then actual increase is, is non-existent in most cases right so i do agree with that to um, to a point and in this one they've got a lot of people who have joined this who weren't traditionally kind of union based so they had people from mcdonald's i think and, and another company that joined this as well I, I think the thing about this is they're i mean don't get me wrong start at one end of the spectrum and then meet in the middle but i, I think they're just asking for a bit too much here um so what does it come down to they said they want they want to get rid of um, zero hour contracts, which they've been trying to get rid of for years and just seems to be a sticking point. I guess because some people find value in it, but then they want to get, they've, they've wrapped in money for the NHS and public services. And I, I think that to be honest, they've just, they've, they've gone for too much mm-hmm. with this protest. Um, that is the only thing I would say for them. I, I do, to a degree, it, it's difficult because I'm not, I mean, I asked for the um, minimum wage to increase to £10 an hour. It's difficult for me to overly comment on this because I'm not in that position. Um, but I would think maybe the, the trade union have started maybe a bit too far. Cause, cause, and, and, and I get that they want all these things fixed, but in the current state of this government, if you can get one of them fixed, you've done well. But they're definitely they're not going to be able to tackle all four or five of them. They're just not capable of it. The only issue I always the only issue I always say with the, with the minimum wage is that what tends to happen when you raise the minimum wage, um, inflation rises to combat it anyway. So things become more expensive. So uh, it, it balances out. So and the reason why I, an example I use for that is in two thousand and two thousand and six two thousand and five when I graduated from university and two thousand six when I graduated from university. The personal allowance was six thousand pounds, and then now it's in two thousand eighteen. It's eleven thousand pounds, but we're still poorer off. We're still worse off for it. It's because of although um, the personal allowance has gone up and it's in line to inflation, the real terms of money doesn't really go up when you when you think of it like that in those terms. Yeah, but this is the problem. It's the cumulative impact between inflation and interest rates have meant that any increases in actual wage is not is, is yeah, immaterial. Immaterial. It's just cosmetic at the end of the day. Exactly. What. All right, moving on. Um, some, I'm going for something positive. There's nothing really positive in the UK. Uh, let's go to... Okay, so um, this week, researchers come out and said that... Researchers have come out and said that they plan to integrate cocaine detecting chip in, in a portable scanner. So, um, the, the good thing about this story is that the, the price of the um, cocaine detector is pretty cheap. It's, re- it's really cheap and, and they're thinking about... And to manufacture. To manufacture, yeah. yeah. It's really cheap to manufacture. It only costs a couple of pence to manufacture. And it'll, be, it'll help in um, drive down the number of accidents that happen due to drug-related incidents. Yeah, I think this is a positive step forward because obviously this is a traditional problem why it's, it's easier to catch somebody who's drink-driving than it is to catch somebody who's drug-driving. Yeah. And arguably, I, I, I would hasten to guess that there's quite a lot of people that just stand in the drug drivers if it's a nothing. Um, so I think this is I think this is positive. They're not directly there with it. There's still work to do on it, but I think it's a positive step forwards mm-hmm. um, if they can get this released, at least to the point where it can be fa- manufactured at a price range that can at least be put out across some of the key problem areas in the UK. So <clears throat> semi-positive story, I guess. All right. Um, BMW's been chastised for... Um BMW's been chastised for um, for promoting dangerous driving and they had an advert out there um, the advert was showing kids playing in the mud and telling drivers to go out there get, get in a BMW and go out there and drive in the mud um, people have come out and criticised the advert saying it, it, it 
it promotes dangerous and irresponsible driving. Do you know what? The thing that is, what I didn't like is the way that they just, so in, in, in addition to forbidding the ad from being run, because it's been taken off now, yeah. um, the ASA has also instructed the German company to avoid showing off its car's handling characteristics in the context of excitement in future. You're not going to buy a BMW because it's economic. Yeah. You're going to buy it because it's a nice drive, right? It's fun to drive. So, and this, this kind of ties in as well with the fast food ban, well, fast food advertising ban they want to do on the London Tube. I'm like, we need to get to a point where as a society, we start taking some responsibility back here, so right? Like, seriously. No, so if you, we need to, because if I look at the fast food ban as well is, so we're going to have to, the, the, the mayor's going to have to put London's money in cash well, his cash from his budget into removing this from the buses from TFL. Buses, okay, maybe I can kind of get it because you might see children to get it. But the, if you can't be responsible enough that when a child sees fast food and says, I want it, and you say no, and if you can't be responsible enough that when you're an adult, because let's be honest, if you're an adult, what makes you want fast food is not seeing it on the tube. It's you can't go past McDonald's and not go in there. Or it's you can't decide, I don't want to cook tonight, I want McDonald's. And this is the same kind of thing. I'm like, this is an advert on TV. Now, if somebody buys that BMW, there's nobody sitting on the couch who then goes and buys that BMW and says, I'm going to drive like a madman because I saw it on the advert. If they drive like a madman, it's because they, they bought the BMW to fuel their desire to drive like a madman, <laughs> not the other way around, right? So it's it's all part of this whole, just as as a society, we're just so sensitive to anything nowadays. I feel like we should just live in a bubble, like, well, a bubble wrapped up in a nice batch of cotton wool, in a nice cover, in a big king-size bed. <laughs> all right, BT cuts 13, you know, BT plans to cut 13, um, BT cuts 13,000 jobs to slash cut. Slash costs um, in, in an effort to save um, costs and keep in line with its dividend payments. Um, BT has planned to slip, um, cut down management layers and remove 13,000 staff uh, in the UK. The, the, the savings would be 1.2 billion pounds. So, what should concern people more about this? Probably more that I would say than the next story that we're well, I think that we, we can go on to mm-hmm. um, is the fact that. Companies are having to compete in a landscape where <clears throat> technology is ever-changing. Um, all businesses fundamentally are technology companies nowadays. That's not, I don't think there's any getting around that. They, they have to compete on a global market and to do that, they need to use technology to respond to changes and in the fastest manner. Um, and because of that, they need to continue to operate in a more lean fashion. And if you're going to do that, it's going to come down to creating greater process efficiencies in what you're doing. It's not necessarily going to directly contribute to jobs getting lost, but you're going to take fat processes, make them more lean. You will take people who you want to keep and put them into other areas that can deliver more value. But fundamentally, you're going to, as you run a more lean, you're going to need less people, right? Mm -hmm. BT are just following the same trend that a lot of people are following. And if anybody's going to be worried about jobs for the future, they should probably be more more concerned on getting themselves well-versed in how to operate in the technology and digital landscape rather than complaining that their jobs are going because they failed to adapt to a changing world. And I, and again, this is part of what I feel a lot of people are doing. It's like, well, we're losing our jobs, but yes, nobody ever said that a job would be for life. And whatever skill set you have, 
I'd agree I have an understanding of this to people who are older in life and have worked in certain things like let's say the manufacturing industry and it's more difficult to learn a new skill but if you're now coming into the working world or you're in your mid-30s or your mid-40s you need to accept that as part and parcel of the game that if you're going to compete against somebody else to get jobs as we try to get more lean you need to be up to speed with technology and digital platforms right it, it is what it is so that's kind of the reason that I put this story in there <clears throat> okay uh, moving on to tech all right so this week um google um have had their their conference and it's where they release all their, their all their new software and and the new android p and etc etc but this week um, one of the things that they released was um they, they spoke about was the google duplex google duplex is a it's an ai function which um service which um, helps allows you allows you to just so build on their DeepMind off the back of their DeepMind software, isn't it? Yeah. DeepMind is the same thing they used to um, fuel the uh, I can't remember the AlphaGo. Okay. So the way it works is that um, you um, put your you put the details inside your phone, and then Google Duplex will go and call the service industry to book the book for you. The, what's why it's made a um, a big um, excitement in, in the tech world is that it seems, it appears, that the AI um, has beat the Turing test. Well, well, it has. So, so first off, it hasn't actually, it's outraged a lot of people in, in the tech. It's funny. It's funny the technology industry does this. It gave me a nightmare. I'll tell you about my nightmare after The this. funny thing was, I didn't know I was talking to you the other day in the group because you changed your number. So I was like, who the hell? And I hadn't saved it yet. Okay. So it was just showing up as MMJ and I was like, who the hell am I talking to? I thought yeah. it was Mike. <laughs> I had a nightmare. So, I re- uh, so um, like before I went to bed, I was watching the video on um, Google Duplex, and um, me and Ben, as you know, we talk about it. We've talk- we spoke about AI before, and I, w- I watched that. and I was like, that there is something wrong there, and and my issue was, <coughs> um, my my issue with the Duplex is that. And Google's come out and said, we're going to go on to it, but Google's come out and said that it will notify people. My issue on that is that the controls is how it's, it gets a bit, um, it's a bit muddy. So when I went to sleep, I had a dream about, okay, my nightmare was about um, AI sex dolls. And the reason why, and the reason why, no, the reason why my dream is about AI, because I find, I find the whole sex dolls thing weird. And I find people falling in love with anim- inanimate objects weird. But anyone that's watched Ex Machina, yeah, um, would know that there is um, where the where the androids come to life. And so I had a dream that the androids came to life, and the sex doll wanted me to fall in love with it, and I didn't want to fall in love with it. And it kept turning into it kept turning into different things. I tried to run away, and every time I tried to run it run away, it turned into like more and more like not the perfect woman, but like how I. I, I perceive what the perfect woman looked like and it was terrifying it was scaring me and then I and the way I beat it is that I got a hot water and I poured it over it and it melted and it turned something else and it, and it wasn't very it, it wasn't very complex if you managed to kill it with hot water dude no but it was like <laughs> it wouldn't let go of my leg and I was running away and because it was so strong because it was a robot it was, like I, was, I couldn't run away from it you've got a very overactive imagination I'll give you that yeah um it's because of, I don't understand the whole sex dolls thing, but the AI stuff. I watched X Machina and I watched also the um, is it the Carbon on um, Alter Carbon oh, yeah, on yeah. Netflix. I watched yeah. that as well. That is it's one of my nightmares. I don't. 
So I didn't. I mean, I didn't. First off, let's let's lay this out because some. So this this got a bit of a backlash from some people. I can't. Zeneb Tafuki is a um, an associate professor in North Carolina. Didn't like it at all. Um, in a tweet, Tafuki said the idea of mimicking human speech so realistically was horrible and obviously wrong. Um, I'll touch on why I don't understand why this is wrong in a second. Um, in a later one, she added, "This is straight up deliberate deception. Not okay." And then, so one of the tweets, as digital technologies become better at doing human things, the focus has to be on how to protect humans, how to delineate humans and machines, and how to create reliable signals of each. See 2016, this straight up deliberate deception, not okay. So, <clears throat> I don't really get all, and, and, and let's just break out the Turing test. So, the, I, this was just clickbait as well that somebody put on there. What, pretty sure Google's new AI just beat the Turing test. Fool me once, shame on you. Shame on, uh, fool me once, shame on you. Fool me 150 plus times, that's some sort of record. Look, right, the Turing test is based on an interrogator interviewing two people on the other side of the room. They don't respond in text because you're not supposed to be able to interpret what their voice sounds like. They're, sorry, they don't respond vocally, they respond in text. Um, and it's supposed to be down to can you differentiate which one is the robot. Actually, at start, the imitation game started as man and woman and then they replaced it with at one point, Manchester machine versus digital machine, and at another point, man versus machine, right? <clears throat> now, this didn't do that. It didn't say to the audience, by the way, we're going to show you a recording of a somebody ringing up to make a booking and somebody accepting that, and we want you to determine which one is the robot and which one is not. So this isn't even a Turing test in any format anyway. Mm -hmm. uh, well, I guess it is in some format, but very loosely. Um, secondly, when you listen, it's a bit difficult because when I was listening to it, you were you were already primed to yeah. know which one was the robot. But the introduction of holds in speech and the ums and the ahs in in a brief one minute call already followed quite a distinct pattern. So it wouldn't be. And if you asked at the end of it to work out which one was which, eight times out of ten, people are going to call the robot being the one that it was right because it wasn't that naturalistic the way that it said it. Um, so I wasn't overly hurt by this. And the ability for Google to take answers and respond back to you has been in place with Google Assistant for a while now. And Google Assistant still breaks, so building an, a voice on top of it will break as well. Yeah. Um, the, the idea of touching on when, pe when robots can do more, it's quite strange that you would have people who are in technology who are against this. Maybe it's because they have some reservations on whether it will get removed the need for their roles in professional society going forwards. But it also asks that same question of, how how willing are we we like technology when it advances and makes our life easier but at the same time this argument seems to come back on really how comfortable we are with it so if we look at the privacy stuff at the moment in order for um duplex to be able to respond back to you and even google assistant it needs to harvest a hell of a lot of information from conversations right then you get the whole well should you be told that you're speaking to a robot at the start of a call, which which Google have basically now said that they will submit to. And I'm not sure I'm in 100% agreement that they need to. I'm not sure there's any moral or ethical obligation to it. In fact, if you tell me at the start of the call, I'm talking to a robot, and it doesn't make any difference how not, how realistic you make them sound, people will easily, when well, I'm talking to a robot, this is a robotic call, I'll just hang up. You're not going to, there's not going to be yeah. any empathy or tie yeah. for you to feel any emotion to them. Therefore, half avoids the point of it yeah because once you once once you know it's a robot they're gonna put the phone down and and i don't understand what and, and if i'm calling up to make a booking whether i'm speaking to a robot or not or a person doesn't really come into the equation for me we're we're engaging in a transaction 
of which I know what my desired outcome is, and they're going to facilitate that. Whether I'm dealing with a robot or not, I, I'm not really fussed. You also get, and don't get me wrong, they're not saying Duplex is going to be released like next month, so they'll have to deal with this. But there are also logistical components of, I want to book a meeting for, <clears throat> or I want to go to the hairdressers on Saturday. They call up, my booking is, is already currently booked. What do they then check back with me? Then say, well, this wasn't booked. In which case, I might as well just call myself because it's quicker. Or maybe I have to have very tightly integrated calendar, which I currently don't have a very tightly integrated personal calendar. So, <clears throat> also you don't most most people when they book stuff, they just book it online. You don't have you don't call people anymore. So they need. Well, you it. could technically tie it into an Alexa right and say, Alexa, I want you to call and make this booking. And yeah. You could build it on top of stuff like that, which you would do. You would build it into the IoT network, yeah. right? But I, I don't necessarily. I, I'm not. I'm not seeing this as any form of, of concern. Like some people, I, I, we, we had some chats in the group and it's like, this is a jump forward. And people are almost disgusted by the fact that they're hearing a robot have a conversation. But, and especially people in tech, well, I, I get it even less. You're familiar with the fact that a computer can have a conversation with you in text and you're not offended by that. But when we put a voice to it, you're automatically now offended as if AI has now taken a jump to the next level. You should be more offended when AlphaGo beat a human player at one of the most complex games in the world. Yeah, but I, I, my, own, my thing with the voice stuff is that how do you combat fraud? Because when you get to that point where people don't know who's, who's on the phone, how do you, and when you get a voice recognition, how do you combat the fraud? But you can do that already. People already take snippets of people's comments, and like Obama's and the rest of them, and create a, a replica of their voice and rechange what they've been said. So that voice making yeah. what, is what introduced that problem, not AIs with a voice. Um, and again, this can still only operate in a in a set range yeah. so that's, that's of what, what it's programmed to do. I said that, so, I said that in the group. I said that in the group. It's, 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 it's only what you program it. It's not, I mean, I think it's, if they can make it work in a way that is effective for productivity, then I think it's a good thing. I, I, we need to, I, I don't know, it depends on where we feel that we want to go as a society. If we are afraid that robots are going to take over continually, which seems to be the argument that people fall back on, um, then there's only ever going to be so far that we can advance in technology. You can't, and we've got machine learning in place now, we're exploring AI. Now, either as a society we say, we're not comfortable with this, and I'm scared that it's going to take over and we stop right now or we proceed. And don't get me wrong, we, we've discussed before about the control problem that exists, but this isn't a major leap forward for me in any way, shape or form. It's just it's tying a voice to something that was already there. All right. Um, IMB workers banned from using the USB sticks. IBM. <laughs> what, what did I say? IMB. <laughs> IBM. Sorry, guys. IB, IBM workers are banned from using the USB sticks. In, um, in, a, in, a, in a way to prevent um, risk of losing them and damaging the company's reputation, IBM have banned their works from using USB sticks. Yeah, so this isn't, I mean, this is, uh, uh, what this smells to me is, is that IBM have had a, a, a big data leak recently. I don't know what they have, but this smells to me like they have, that they're now taking, I mean, they were already targeting to do this by the end of May, and it, and it is a challenge that you face from a security perspective. And I mean, I know at some companies they will say that you're only allowed to plug in encrypted devices. Mm -hmm. And so that's what they will procure, procure for you internally. Now, they come at a cost. Encrypted devices aren't cheap compared to your standard USB, which costs barely nothing nowadays. But this all smells to me like they've, they've, made some, they've had some recent data breach which has made them try to bring this to light. Maybe it's just because 
Well, they've suggested that it's because GDPR is coming in, but I don't think that that's what this ties to. This this comes to me like everybody's kind of got this problem from a security perspective. There are different ways to deal with it. Actually, it's relatively easy now. I, I can't remember. I have USB sticks sitting somewhere around, but I can't remember the last time I used them. The introduction of a cloud means it's very easy for you to transfer stuff from one place to another. And, and also, most companies will not like you taking off work material and working on, on your company on your personal computer anyway yeah. even if you transfer it via the cloud um so people saying how how realistic this is from a kind of productivity perspective and implementer i don't i don't think it's a major major issue for for me here it's it's more it came across like hmm ibm why, why are you coming out of saying this now for what what mistake have you made in the background um all right um i was quite in, in I'm quite interested in why you put, put this story in, but Google details the new Android Piste uh, features featuring, uh, including iPhone X-like gestures controls. I was surprised because if you're, you're very much uh, an Apple an Apple guy, it was surprising that you would um, talk about Android P. Um, I was, it was more, I feel like the gestures are a bit, uh, uh, well, uh, some of them are unnecessary. So the one that stuck out to me the most was the I mean they still kept the the main buttons at the bottom but the one that stuck out to me the most which they made quite a big hurrah about was the shush oh. one so when you turn your phone over a phone over it goes into shush mode and doesn't give you notifications but that when I turn my iPhone over I don't see the notifications even if they're going off so yeah. I don't even understand the point of that gesture. but you can do it anyway I can do it on my phone and I haven't got I haven't got Android P I just got well, that's a new they, they put that forward in this as a new feature it's not really no because all I've got to do when yeah, someone, it's not me saying it when someone, when someone <laughs> calls me or someone and I don't want to see it I turn my phone over there's text off the um, there's no ringing it just goes quiet it's not me it's not me no oh. it's notification for apps and everything everything oh, goes okay. off everything, everything goes off, off. Okay. but my point is is that it's a it's a it's an irrelevant gesture yeah. because if I've turned my phone over, I'm not getting... Um, in fact, I mean, they went into a big harp and speech about how much time we spend locked to our, our phones, etc. Mm. It probably says more about us that we need the, all these additional functions. I mean, you should be able to, But I said to you before, a few weeks ago, when I turned off the notifications for WhatsApp, right? Only because I've got like a bit of OCD and I don't like seeing the numbers, so I go into the app. I turned it off like most liberating experience ever could go in whenever I felt like it. But that in and of itself is pretty bad. Yeah. I should never have felt the need, OCD-ish or not. Yeah. I should never have felt the need to be dictated to by my phone. But when you've got other people who have loads of notifications for different apps, I... you can understand how people lead, end up completely addicted and tied to their phone for multiple hours a day. I just wipe them all off. Wipe them all off. Tell them. All right, moving on. So, <coughs> Well, I don't know if you wanted to talk about the... Um, Charles Gambino video. Oh yeah, Charles Gambino. So last Sunday, was it last Sunday? Last Sunday that video was released. So last Saturday night, I think it was, wasn't it? Uh, oh yeah, last Saturday. Roughly US maybe yeah. last Sunday. So it was last Sunday I watched it. Um, the first clip I saw was on Instagram. It was about a minute long and he was dancing topless. I didn't understand it. He looked a bit... Um, what's, the, what's the word I'm trying to think of? He was a bit out there. He had his top off. He's not in the best of shape. And he was doing dancing, and I didn't get it. And I watched the then I watched the video in entirety, on and I watched it. And, I, and um, <laughs> first time I watched it, I was really impressed with the dancing. I was like, "This is really good dancing." I didn't understand. <laughs> I didn't understand. I didn't understand. So I, I didn't. So when I first watched it, when he okay, the opening segment starts off with his he has his back to the, um, the audience. He does a little sh a shimmy, and then he starts um, doing dancing, and he starts having weird faces while the music's going on. Then um, the guy that's playing the um, guitar is sitting there. They put a bag over his head, 
and um, Charles Gambino turns into a, a stance, which is quite famous, which I'll go back to. It turns into a stance and shoots him in his head. Then the guys come up, then um, the come along and take the gun away in, in, a, in a red cloth while they drag away the body. And then from there, Charles Gambino is dancing. In the background, you see people rioting. You also see um, cars being open, which you, you you need to tell so you need to watch the video because it's, it's, it's impossible to detail out that well. If you haven't even you haven't even touched on it yet at the end of the day. Like if you wanted to sit here for an hour, you'd probably still be struggling to get it through. So um yeah, it's, it's worth watching the video. It's it's because it's it's a good depiction of America for black people nowadays, yeah. right? And different people I think the beauty of it is is it is quite open to interpretation of how you want to take it. So as I said to you earlier, so <clears throat> You've got the scene with the car doors open, which is representative. So people, somebody I saw who I was reading, they're all old cars. And so they're all old cars. And then there's the next scene that they kill him where they're all doors open, as if to suggest that a lot of black people are subject to having to still drive older cars, but there's always, they're subject to stop and search all the time, the representation of the doors open. Now, I actually read that as, and the constant reference I read as with the people running in the background and the writing is reference to the Detroit riots. Yeah. The reason I tied that in was, Mainly the writing part that's going on, <clears throat> as well as the fact that the warehouse that the whole video takes place in, with, in, with the exception of the brief gospel church bit, um, is very similar to what would have been a car manufacturer warehouse. Um, and then you've got the cars, which most of them appear to be Ford, which are traditionally Definitely. manufactured in, in Detroit anyway. All seem to tie in quite closely to that. Um, but there's, there's there's so many different levels. I mean, you've got the the part where he's sitting, where the people are sitting on the um, uh, the balcony, yeah, and, and he refers the to the the phones as as a mobile but a tool, tool as well, yeah. which I think is representative of you can use your phone nowadays to record when the mishaps take place. And I just like the in general the continue because the dancing is supposed to be out there yeah. to continually try and tie you to seeing that, yeah. so you don't look at all of the wrongdoings that are happening in the background. Um, when he shoots the, ch um, the church it's kind of like it's, it's, it's linked to the Dylan Roof thing he shoots the church but what's interesting about when he shoots it the handle of the weapon the handle of the weapon but he does that in the first shot yeah, as well, does, that, yeah. they always, he always hands it over nicely as if to say yeah. it's a direct it's not even if to say that's a direct reference to America cares more about, about how they deal with guns, guns than they deal with Black people, yeah, yeah. but also the victims of it, because in the first scene, it's even more explicit. Because when he shoots the guy who's playing the guitar, he has, he puts the gun on a cushion that somebody brings for him, a yeah. red cushion. Um, I mean, somebody actually referenced to the red cushion is a tie to Republicans because the red is traditionally used by them. Um, but then the black guy is, is dragged away, way, yeah. so you've got the gun being given care and some just being. Um, abstractly dragged away. No, what I also found interesting was that at a point, at the point when they they get to the realization of um, oh, they're gonna they're gonna they're gonna kill you, and it, and it goes bang, and it goes really quiet, and the next thing he's smoking a spliff. That signifies that um, the drugs, like all this, like well, it's, it's actually the preceding one to that. Because I didn't, because uh, I cause there's a there's a gap, and I'm like, oh, what's going yeah, on here? That's like a seventeen second gap. Which, um, well, some interpretation of that is that could be in relation to the 17 people that died in the Florida Parkway. Okay. Sure. Um, which I thought was, because I remember watching that, I was like, is this, is this the end of it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then he, then he, then he, then he smokes, he, smokes um, he likes to spliff, and then he goes and walks on top of the car and does a finish with the dancing. And at the end, he runs away, and he's, when he run, he's running away, the people that he's run away from are actually white. They're not, they're the first 
depiction of white people you see in the video. You see people in white in the background. In the background. You people, but you see, you see death go past yeah. the horse as well in the background. And followed like, by a car. Yeah, by a it's car. So, there's so many things that are happening in that that are just ridiculous. Uh, not, 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 I don't mean it like that. Yeah. There's so many things going on that it, the volume is ridiculous. It's very hard to keep up with. You need to watch it at least a couple of times to um, be able to keep track of it. All right, guys. I thought it was a, 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 a very inventive and artistic video, though. Of course. Especially in light of some of the stuff I, that I've been forced to read this week. Okay, so... Black you... side, which was not like that. <laughs> All right, so... Um, me and Ben, earlier, we were having a discussion. Um, it's, I can't say this guy's name properly. Is it Telehesi oh, Colts? Um, he wrote an article in response to the Kanye West... Um, Incidents that's happened over the last couple of weeks. Uh, in the article, he literally, he literally, it was more or less um, feeling butthurt because his, his idol, the person that he put on a pedestal, has let him down, and kind of stating that um, Kanye West had a moral obligation to what he said is dangerous and hurtful, and he kind of has a moral obligation. Well, to, it was his take on, and we've discussed Kanye West the last couple of weeks, right? Yeah. But it was his take on the whole Kanye West outburst. And frankly, I mean, uh, it, it, it makes perfect sense that he is a writer, but it's a 5,000 word article. And he he's trying to build a narrative, but he loses himself in this. Mm. It comes across to me as somebody who has, I mean, he calls Michael Jackson and Kanye West a god. Now that, and, and don't get me wrong, I can understand that maybe representative some people in the States where they see them as idols. I wouldn't even compare my, uh, Kanye West to Michael Jackson. They're not, they're not comparable. When you, look at, when you look at the time when Michael Jackson was doing what he was doing and what Kanye is doing now, Kanye West exists at a level um, from production and music basis where there are a lot of, the industry is, is wide and large and vast and it's got a lot of black people within the industry. So they're not even on the same level. It's a different cultural thing that's going on at that moment in time in history as well. So I disagree with that, but the first part of it reads, just to tell you how into Michael Jackson and um, into Kanye West he was, the second part is massaging his own ego, talking about his minor piece of fame, but then he starts going on about how much that affected him. Then eventually, after about 4,500 words, he gets to the point, and his point seems to be that there is a moral obligation for Kanye West to hold a certain, to, to defend a certain position. But what I also don't get, and what I can't get my head around for this is, Kanye West has come out and said that Trump is his boy. He's also come out and said that he doesn't agree with everything he does. Now, we spoke about this last week, and I think that, he, and I'm not, I'm not excusing him from it, as I said last week. I think he's made a major misstep on the... Um, the way that he communicated the message across and he needs to pay if he wants to put across a strong point and again that you can be a free thinker then he needs to be critical of himself on how he communicates and articulates that message right but <clears throat> he hasn't said anything i think that that cries that he wants white freedom in the world he hasn't done that mm -hmm. so and, and and anybody can go at me for whatever they want that's not what he said and i also don't agree with these people that are like well yeah he's, he's begging for wanting to be accepted Kanye West has never been what you would consider psychologically normal yeah. at any given moment of his career. Yeah. And we're happy to accept that when, when he displays that in something that we see as artistically superb. Yeah. But then when it flip turns against us, and again, as I mentioned to you, there's a wonderful irony that in a, in a, in a nation where... 
people will constantly spout about their freedom of speech. As soon as that freedom of speech doesn't align with their view, it's like it's just erased. Yeah. What I gave you, when after you read it and you said it, and you gave your viewpoint on the article, I gave you a, a little bit of the backdrop of, a little bit of background on Colts. Colts sees himself as the modern day um, MLK of of the black intellectuals in America. He sees himself as an MLK and um, Malcolm put together. He's had, he's gone against a lot of um, popular social, social, uh, not civil rights leaders in America, such as, uh, what's it, the guy, the black guy with the afro, I can't remember his name now, um, glasses, always um, wears black, my, brain, my brain's gone black. But, um, it's, yeah, so Colt sees himself, Colt's ego is quite big anyway, Colt sees himself as quite special. So someone like, him chastising Kanye West, he sees that as his right to chastise him, um, which is quite ironic because of Colts has very has a lot of similarities between himself and. Well, the reason that I just because I don't know all this about him, you told me I read the article for what it was. I didn't take it into background. I took to the content that that was there, and I, I frankly I found it laborious, um, very laborious. I mean, I said to you I was listening to Nietzsche, um, that spoke Zarathustra this morning, and that is that is a difficult listen, yeah. but that was immeasurably easier to listen to than this was, and that should say something for anybody who's ever touched any of Nietzsche, yeah. but. What I didn't get about this, and when you told me that, I was like, well, this guy obviously holds delusions of grandeur and, and arguably displays of textbook narcissism. And he goes at Kanye West and Trump for their ego and narcissism in this. But at the same time, whatever point he's trying to make, he spends so long trying to tell his own story and indulge his own ego that he never really says much of anything. He doesn't, at any point, at no point in time does he really take a position on anything. He refers to... Um, Michael Jackson and his kind of transformation as the death of him as a black figure and kind of wanting to adopt whiteness, which I, I don't think anybody can disagree with that. That is what it is. Kanye West is not doing the same thing mm -hmm. here. Um, referencing to his liposuction, which I mean, I know you mentioned it last week, but that's, that's, that's absent of, of this discussion here. Yeah. That is more representative of he is... Insecure. Well, insecure and uh, actively aware of what people think about of yeah. him, and so there, therefore, wants to deal with that. But that doesn't tie to him wanting to tie himself to Trump or white freedom. Yeah. So I'm like, I don't mind if you've got a position, but please explain to me and articulate clearly what your position is. Don't come across as what it came to, as what it read to me is just an unsanctimonious divorce basically, and he's unhappy that his heart has been broken by his idol. And maybe he didn't want this to be thought of as a critical piece, but when somebody writes 5,000 words and publishes it on theatlantic.com, I would assume that he actually does want it to be that. But I just didn't, it, it didn't, it spent a lot of time just insisting upon itself a point that I don't know what it wanted to be. And I, if it was purely moralistically that Kanye West has a pure moral obligation to defend black people, then I would arguably say, apart from, and the same thing as I said last week, and somebody else referenced it in the group earlier saying, the stuff that he said is dangerous. Apart from the comment on slavery, nothing that he said is actually dangerous. Yeah. Him saying he supports Trump is not dangerous. That's him supporting a certain candidate and the current president, right? But it's not, it's not dangerous. He's not a self-elected or group-elected leader of the black people. Therefore, he's not going against a rule set that he said, I'm going to stick to, and this is my ethical and moral obligation. So um, I don't really understand. If you've chose to put him up there on a pedestal... That's your fault. That's your fault at the yeah. end of the day. And that's if you fault. put him up there to act as an idol, well, you've chosen the wrong person. Because if you've chosen him to be your idol because of what he done for music, then exactly why do you think that he then is 
best placed to be the expert on any other area. Yeah. Music is what he does. Why would you then expect him to be your expert and go to a role model and idol from a political or cultural perspective? It's merely because of basically, merely because of the colour of his skin. You yeah. now expect him to be an expert on black history, which clearly he's not, but and whether he should be or not is debatable. He's he's now he's in my opinion open to make his own comments. I do think he should be more careful on the way that he communicates them, but he's still fundamentally open in the US more than anywhere else in the world. Yeah. I thought, I, I just took the argument, I just took um, Colts's, um essay more in, in the terms, I said it in the group, it's more in the terms of um, a collective the individual. And I, I really want to say it, took it that way, because it was more like, because you're a black man and there's black people have been historically um, oppressed and had horrible things happen to them, you have a moral obligation to fall in line with us and be quiet and don't say things we disagree with because of the black community, because of what you're saying is dangerous to the black community. And then my when I read the, the response to that and why I thought the response was brilliant because it, it kind of broke that down and, and it kind of said to him, although um, Colts's main point and he, he did his historical um, points were, on, were accurate, his he, he kind of misses the point that if you if you're you're what you're actually saying deep down is that the the collective um that that if someone wants to transcend their because my my whole thing of racism is this i'm trying to say it's utopian and i okay i understand it's utopian the opposite of racism is not more tribalism it's not it's not more um identity more identity politics it's most it, it's 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 the opposite it's actually you be away from identity politics you start seeing people for their color you start seeing people for the, for the, the character of the, who they actually are so therefore if you want the way you transcend race is that you stop you stop seeing yourself as a black per, you stop seeing yourself tied down to your your skin color so you, you can be a black man but you don't have to be a black man in the sense that you don't have to think in the sense of what a typical black typical black man thinks and you should be able to you, sh you should be you should be able to think freely for yourself. That's that's and that's what I think Kanye is trying to do. That's why I thought what um, Coles was saying was off because it's more of saying Kanye shouldn't, 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 it's not it's not allowed to think think differently than the black community because what he when he thinks differently from the black community, it's dangerous for the black community. But again, I don't I don't know what he's getting at. What 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 is it, what is it that he fundamentally thinks that Kanye West is doing that doesn't agree with the black community apart from? supporting Trump, yeah. which, let's just be clear, go to the Trump rallies and you will find the black people there. Yeah, you will. You, he may not have the majority of their support, but you will find him them there. You can't get away from that. Yeah. Now, I'm sure they get chastised as well. They get chastised from their community. So. But, but this also comes down to, and you mentioned it earlier, because it needs to be, you, you, all of this needs to be discussed in context. So yeah. what, what, what values do you want him to hold? A black American? Because a black American is different to a black, a black British and a black African, as you yeah. put it earlier, right? When we were talking about how Africans see themselves and how black people of African descent living outside Africa see themselves are different. Yeah. To me, that stands to absolute reason because you are you, you can hold cultural to cultural and beliefs from your heritage, but you will fundamentally be developed based on the experiences that you go through. So that's going to be that's going to be related to the time that you were brought up in in yeah. history but also the place that you were brought up in, yeah. in history. And I still don't get what, what Coates is telling that he needs to tie to, because to me, if he'd been more explicit, to me, what he said about slavery is it's a stupid line to say, and, it, and it's ignorant, and it is completely dismissive, and largely, I would say, offensive to people who have gone 
through slavery or got it in their family. Yeah. But apart from that, the positions that he held, he didn't he didn't go out and tell people go and vote for Trump. Yeah. And what he said about Barack Obama getting in, because I think I'm thinking maybe he used this in it as well. To be honest, the, the article was so long, it felt like a lifetime reading it. <laughs> but there was reference between Barack Obama and Kanye West referencing that Donald Trump said it wasn't Barack Obama that made me believe that I could become president. It was Donald, it was Donald Trump. And <clears throat> if you can, and I don't know how he meant it. Well, I do know exactly what he said. What he's basically said there is it wasn't Barack Obama as a black person of education. Let's just be clear on what he is. A highly educated black individual yeah. making it to the presidency. Yeah. It was Donald Trump making it when he isn't highly educated. He's a businessman and made it. And what you should be reading from that is not that he is taking, putting negative connotations on Barack Obama. Is that he's in fact saying if Donald Trump can get in, anybody can get, get in. in. Yeah. So actually it's not praise for Donald Trump. It's actually, <laughs> and it's not removing praise for Barack Obama. But you are choosing to interpret yeah. that as, well actually he looks up to Donald Trump more. What he's saying is he looks up to Donald Trump always because basically, and, and, and when this, and I've never heard this come out, anybody go against Charlemagne or Andrew Schultz because they've used that exact same argument. Yeah. I don't listen to the Brilliant Idiots that much anymore, but I know when I used to listen to it after the elections, they used the exact same argument that Donald Trump getting in is what made people believe. That's what made people start talking about, well, maybe Mark Zuckerberg is the next one or Kanye or, or Jay-Z or, or, or The Rock because they're yeah. saying anybody can get yeah. in based on how much publicity they can gain. Yeah. So... You can you can you can choose to take whatever interpretation you want to make it support your argument, but at least try and get some intellectual merit behind the argument that you're putting forward. I just I find it very difficult to read stuff like this where you are so hedged in your own personal bias that you cannot put forward a balanced statement. You're not when you're not interpreting both sides, and everybody's and, and again I'm not gonna everybody is entitled to their own opinion but if you're going to put forward an argument I would expect him to qualify it better yeah. than he has here which is like I say largely 95% a narrative of his life and love of music and 5% of him getting to the point of what he actually wanted to say yeah sorry I spoke a lot on that that's no, alright that's alright something different, different for the light listeners um, this week so I'm going to start with what I've been reading because Ben started said this, really said he's listening to Nietzsche Nietzsche um, I was finishing that actually it was I, second try I've started Elon Musk's um, um, what's up, is it a biography um, I've only got to like the f- fourth chapter I'm not, I'm not, I don't read as fast as you do I read it like a day yeah. <laughs> it's quite a short book but it's, not, it's not that long it's, it's not that long uh, I, I find I find him a powerhouse he is that, that's what because I, I didn't I've been meaning to read it for ages um and I can't remember why I hadn't put it off. I think there were just other books. That I, I think it was the cost of it as well. I don't like using my credit. I think it's gone up to what it was before because I think it used to be like £15. I, like, like I don't want to use a credit on that. Like and then it was like 22 now, yeah. so I used the credit on it. Um, but it does come across the amount of self-belief that he has and the amount of drive that he has and just his capacity for learning and mem- memory retention. I don't. You'll get more into that as you get further into the book. Um but yeah, he is one of those people. I do, I do. I haven't read a biography in a while, so going back to that, I, I enjoyed that read actually. I know you're only four chapters in. We can yeah. debate maybe the outcome of it once you get to the end of it. All right, cool. And you, you've been reading Nietzsche. So you're trying I to have to finish off Nietzsche because I, I started uh, Dust Spoke Zarathustra before, and it's so painfully difficult to read. Um, What's so hard about it? It's, it's language? really, really difficult. It's not. It, it's it's not a language. It's the. It, it is because he's not. He went off in the woods and wrote this over the course of like three days. 
Um, and it's just, it's very difficult to read it. It's the language, the way he constructs the narrative of it. The first part of it is very difficult. It's where I almost gave up on it. When it gets into the latter part, it's better because he, he kind of ties it, the way I read it is kind of principles and philosophies of life, but mm -hmm. the narrative is much stronger by the end of it for you to tie that in. The start of it is really difficult to get through. Um, I read a guide to a good life actually, which is um, living a good life of stoic lessons. I, I did enjoy that. That okay. was um, it's quite useful to read. There are a lot of things that it goes through on there, like how to use um, kind of negative uh, negative realization to further increase your kind of. Gratefulness, yeah. So it my, my like word went bad for a second. My, my mum went bad for a second there. You're gratefulness for life. So whereas people, and it refers to the whole kind of concept of if somebody wins the lottery, two years down the line, they're more happier than when they used to have it. But you can have a person who hasn't won the lottery who can remind themselves every day, kind of going through it. And the whole negative realisation of it, or visualisation of it, sorry, <clears throat> is realising what could be worse. So you truly value what you have. So if you're looking at the news and you see, for instance, a disaster, taking time to think, well, that could have been me, but I've got this. Or thinking or visualizing something that is a negative outcome in your life that makes you more appreciate what it is. I kind of also liked about it as well is is the beauty of being able to find, well, the, well just, not, not just positive, but the beauty of the world in any given moment. Okay. So at any given moment in time, you have, or any given day, right, you could look at the sunset and really pay attention to it and pay attention to the beauty of it. You could look around living in a big city and, Think about the beauty and the, the kind of capacity that we have for humans and society to have built this large, vast city with everything at our fingertips. Let me say, when I turn on the TV and watch a person booming out a singing voice in a, a concert, right? What it's taken, what I take for granted, but what it's taken for that TV to work at a click of a button and me to be able to say a voice that maybe I wouldn't have been able to see at any other given moment in time. So it, give, it, it gives you a good way of finding that appreciation plus... It, 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 there's loads of things that touch on there's a lot uh, there was a uh, I kind of found it amusing I like the area it went to one it reminds me of the art of not giving a fuck the art of not giving a fuck um, you read no it's not it's not like that it's not like that no. the art of, art of giving a fuck is, is it talks about um, the ability to uh, it's asking the question about suffering yeah but the art of not giving a fuck is is way of you to uh, basically not not lose yourself in caring about other things that are out of your control. It doesn't mean in a very explicit manner. It's loosely tied to maybe stoic so ways of living, and but not not to a degree. That this is this goes quite more into detail. Um, on a, I'm probably going to download Tao of Zeneca by Tim Ferriss next. I haven't because I meant to read that for ages, but I'm quite intrigued by it now that I've read a bit more on on that. I've I've actually just started to go back to read Alan Watts because I haven't well sorry listened to. I mean I, I've I, I, listened to I, I do that I do the exact same thing. Yeah, I, I haven't listened to it in a while so yeah. um, I've gone back to listen to that. To, the, I had a book, uh, Meditation by Marcus Aurelius. Marcus Aurelius. Yeah. I haven't got the audio book of that, I read the actual book of it. Oh, yeah. um, it's quite that? good as the actual book actually because you can just dip in and out of it as you need to. I'm not sure how I would I'm not sure would be as effective in audio, audio form. form mainly because it is something that is nice for you to be able to dip in and out of um but no i have read that uh, i did i did enjoy that one actually like I said, it's not too long a read either i think it's like a penguin book or something because i saw some of the poetry posted on um, instagram i saw some of the poetry posted on instagram in regards to um people affecting your um, if someone if someone angers you well, it's the whole concept of so if if somebody angers you, then they become your master. But it's yeah. all it's all the concept of being able to control 
yourself in life and if you can control yourself then you can control your outcomes mm -hmm. but in order to do that you need to be very in control of your response to anything that's outgoing so for instance if you're dealing with an insult from somebody how's the best way to deal with an insult well arguably it's dependent on the person but for some people just don't respond to them as yeah. in not look at them and then look away and don't say anything and look hurt don't respond to them just yeah. absolutely you don't even you don't even register their existence. Whereas actually, in some instances, the ideal response is a quick-witted response to mm -hmm. it. But not everybody works in a manner that it can be quick-witted. Or another response is somebody starts taking the Mickey out of you for one of the good points that makes is when somebody takes the Mickey out of you for something that is actually factual. So if somebody takes the Mickey out of you for being bold, well, you're bold. So yeah. why are you being affected? Why are you being offended by it? Yeah. Or equally, you turn around and if they start taking the Mickey out of you for being overweight or something else, then take the Mickey out of yourself to take the ball out of their park, a bit like what they do in Eight Mile, yeah. um, in a different manner. But it, it's all stuff like that which ultimately just removes everything that you use to find maybe stress, anger, unhappiness in life. I mean, it deals with how to deal with loss. Um, it talks a, a bit on making the most of the time that you have with people, i.e. if you make the most of the time with, we use the comparison of, of two people. Um, they both lose a door. One person, one father spends a lot of time with the door or one person doesn't spend a lot of time. And there's an argument that the person who spent not a lot of time would not miss them as much as the person who has. But then counterfactually to that, you're probably going to find that the person who has spent more time can look back and at least be more reflective on it and appreciate that yeah. you made the most of the time. Whereas the other person will look back and say, well, I didn't make the most of the time and, and I'll never get that chance back. So probably he's actually going to be more depressed about it. And just, it, it, it's kind of things like that. It's, very, it, it, it's, it's an, an easy read um, and it's not based on um, Seneca or Aurelius or any of those it's a modern day guy who's gone back to Stoic teachings to kind okay. of try and okay. translate it into the modern way of life so I, I enjoyed that one I liked it actually alright guys alright I think that's, it. that's the end episode 27 yes so as ever you can find us and I suppose how that could create like a break in the middle where we said this yeah. but as ever you can uh, yeah you can find them um, followers on um, what iTunes podcast SoundCloud Overcast um, Podcast Republic is there, and most of your podcast yeah. applications that you can get. I don't think you've got on Stitcher. I think you've got to post differently to be on Stitcher. Yeah. Um, you can find us on our Facebook page. Obviously, follow, rate us. We would appreciate that. Share more importantly, share us with your friends. Um, anything that you want to hear or discuss. In fact, anybody who, who we know who we share this with, because most of the people who listen are people we know. Uh, yeah. Anybody who wants to get involved in a debate, we're thinking of doing kind of a spin-off session of these where we do light discussions and maybe some of the stuff that we discussed in that latter phase today yeah. we build on on a, on a bit more detail I think that would be quite useful maybe just half an hour one off so yeah follow us show us love support we much appreciate it and for everybody who's listened at the moment although it be a small listenership at the moment it's still we still appreciate the love and the feedback that's, that's, that's like that from me and like that from me have a good week people <laughs>